right. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, I am so excited for today. I, uh, I, I really, um, it's for two, two reasons. One, um, because we're starting a new series, and I'm really excited about the series, because I think um, we're, we're going to be spending the next six weeks talking about the Bible, and what do we believe about the Bible? And, and I know that this is an area that maybe, maybe you're like, I've kind of just pushed the I believe button, and then, but I, I, don't, I don't really know that I can defend it. I don't know that I feel comfortable saying things, uh, you know, characteristics, the words that we use to describe it. Like, I'll just throw out the one that everybody freaks out about, that it's inerrant. And they're like, uh, there's no errors in this. I, how do I know, <laughs> right? So we're going we're gonna to step through this over the next six weeks and kind of finish out our summer on this. But so that's the first reason I'm excited. The second reason is, is because I'm talking too fast. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's because it's a family gathering, um, because we're all going to hang out. So, uh, so that's super cool. And if you guys brought something cool, if you didn't bring something cool, we're just going to hang out. Um, we're going to, afterwards, we're going to, like, move all these chairs and kind of, uh, we don't want people, like, sitting in, like, rows to eat, right? So, like, you, we can move the chairs where we want. We can do whatever we want with this place, right? Um, and we can hang out as long as we want. Actually, there's a third reason why I'm excited, too, because we now have, like, a little lending library thing back there. And so... Like, we're starting on, on the Bible, and, I mean, we're not starting on the Bible, but you know what I mean. Um, but there's tons of, like, resources, so you can just grab one. Like, peruse through it, and if you want to take it home, take it home. I just ask that you bring it back at some point. Um, and then if you want to add a book, that if you've got, like, a, a book that's been super meaningful to your walk and to your life and your faith, please let me know about it. I would, uh, or, or Brian, uh, or Gene, let us know. And um, we'll just check to make sure it meets the, the heresy threshold, right? And make sure, right? I mean, I hope, I hope it doesn't. But, you know, it's just, you know, there's a little bit of vetting process for that. So please don't just go start throwing books up there because then I'll have to go through it and pull them out. But anyway, um, but yeah, so it's good to see you guys. It's summer. It's super hot out. Um, so hopefully it's cool enough in here. Um, but um, before we get started, let me... Uh, let me dive in and pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. It means so much to us. Um, as Warner said, that you, that you care about us. You didn't just create us and leave us. You created us. You walked with us. You stayed near to us. You came to us. You rescued us. You want us to dwell in your presence for eternity. <laughs> That's remarkable, Father. Thank you. We pray, Father, that as we, as we dive through this, that it would be um, encouraging, that it would strengthen our faith, strengthen our trust in you and who you are. We love you, and we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, it's Family Sunday. I don't see a lot of kindergarten through fifth graders, but if you're in kindergarten through fifth grade, you want to come up and I'll do a lesson? You want to? Should I not say it? Yeah, I'll just say do it, okay? Yeah, if you're in kindergarten through fifth grade, come on up. Hang out front. There's enough of you. Okay, good. You're coming out of the woodworks as I see you sit up. And All right. All right. So you guys can just have a seat or something if that's cool. All right. All right. So here's the deal. Have any of you ever gotten a letter in the mail? 
like the mailbox. Yeah? Have you ever written a letter to somebody? Okay, cool. When you get a letter, is that kind of special? Right? If I told you right now, and honestly, I was going to do this, and I just <laughs> ran out of time, but I was going to write a letter. I was going to have an envelope for every one of you, and I was like, I'm just going to have it up here. I'm like, I know, I know all you guys, so I'm just going to, like, I'm not going to, like, write a letter. I don't have that much time, but, like, you know, but if I were to say I wrote a letter to everybody in here, I, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to know what I wrote? <laughs> right? You'd be like, oh, that's cool. Right? What does a letter do? It's you're, you're telling somebody, you're talking to somebody, you're telling them how you feel or what you're thinking about or maybe what you're praying for them or whatever. Letters are very um, personal, aren't they? Well, what we're going to see as we go through this over the next six weeks, and you guys will be doing some of this as well, is the Bible is God's letter to us. That's it. This is God writing a letter to us. So, it, that's an, I, I kind of oversimplify it, right? Because some of it is like stories and things that don't necessarily to you. But ultimately, we call this inspired. We say that the Bible is inspired. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That the Bible is inspired by God. Which means that God actually spoke the words that are written down in here. Every single one of them. For you. And for me, and for all of them, for all of us, for everybody, everywhere, for all time. Like, this is God telling us, he goes, I want to tell you, have your parents ever told you a story? It's not about you, maybe, but they'll tell you a story. Why? Because they want to teach you something. They want to tell you something that they learned in this story. Maybe it's funny, maybe it's embarrassing, maybe they've learned something from it. Well, this is what God is going, I want you to know the story of David and Goliath. I want you to know the story of the flood. I want you to know what Paul was writing to the churches. I want you to know these things. And this, so this is what God does, is he keeps it for us, he inspires it so that we can live lives that, where we know God, and we have a relationship with him. What do you think about that? Make sense? All right, that's it. That's, that's the whole sermon today. So you guys can go back, and now that, you know, maybe you'll pick up bits and pieces as we walk through it, but that's... Uh, that's basically the summary. We're going to be talking about inspiration of the Bible. And, and I don't mean like Hallmark card inspiration, okay? That's not, that's not what the word means. It doesn't mean like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great pick-me-up, motivating words by a coach, like that, that we're going to hear, right, read this, and we walk out the door, and we're like, I feel inspired today. I can conquer anything. That's not the inspiration that we're talking about, although it does do those things. And we're going to see as we unfold what inspiration is, that inspiration is actually expiration. It's, it's God breathing out, and that's actually what the word means, and we'll, we'll get to it by the end of the sermon today. But um, it means that, that God is actually breathing out the words, specifically the words that he wanted in here. And this is what we're going to spend time on today going, do you believe that? Do you, have you ever thought about that? And there's a lot of different little traps and loopholes and, and lots of inputs in our minds about different ways to understand what is contained in the Bible. And here's the, here's the tough part. 
when we start talking about the Bible, and I haven't opened it up yet, and I'm not going to for just a little bit, because I, there's, there's some kind of general applications to this. When we talk about the Bible, do you see it as a self-help guide? Do you see it as something that you go to when times are tough, and maybe you go to, you, you know enough to go to Proverbs when you need some wisdom, Psalms when you want to do a little worshiping, Paul when you want to be academic, the Old Testament when you just want a story. Is, is, is that how you see it? Or do you see this, as I just described to the kids, as actually one complete letter that God is writing to us? The problem is, is that as we, as we get into this, we're going to see that if you turn on the Discovery Channel, if you turn on the History Channel, it will take you about 24 hours, probably, to watch something that explains that this has errors. That there's some books that are missing in here. Anybody seen those? Okay. In fact, there might be a book up there that actually goes through some of those books and why they're not in here. <laughs> it'll, it'll say that there's, it's a translation of a translation of a translation. It's, in, it's inaccurate at this point. What do we, what do, we do 2,000 years later for the New Testament? 4,000 years later for some of the Old Testament. How, how could that possibly be that it's accurate? Or perhaps that this thing was put together by the Catholic Church in the 4th century. And so your faith in this is rests on the faith of the 4th century Catholic Church. You heard that? I'm sure, right? And so there's all sorts of these things that muddy around in our minds. And frankly, here's where the rubber meets the road. We're good with reading this, and we're good. We're like, yes, oh, it's so good. Such great truths. I'm going to pin it and post it and snap it and whatever, right? I want everybody to read this verse that I read. And then you get to the verse that actually impacts your life, and you're like, I don't like that verse. Right? And you go, all right, time for some gymnastics. I got to wiggle my way out of this verse. Let me Google it. I've already, I've already confessed I did this back in, in my life. Probably not just once. Let me find the loophole. Let me find a different interpretation because maybe the way I feel and the way that I think is right and conventional thought process as to the interpretation of this is wrong. Maybe. I'm not saying that's always a bad place. We need to be really careful. We need to be careful, and it starts right at what's your motivation. Is your motivation that this is the authority in your life and I'm trying to discover what God is actually saying to me and what he actually, truly wants of my life? Or am I trying to say, well, I'm cool with being a Christian. I just got to make sure that this thing doesn't get too much in my way. Those are, the, those are our motivations. We really dig down deep. We might not say those things. Well, those are really our motivations. And so, so this is what we're going to be talking about, right? Like, is, is this really just written by unscientific, archaic people? Or is this, in fact, the inspired word of God? So this is where we're going to divide right here this morning. We're going to go, this is the inspired word of God. 
And here's why this is important. Because our choice, and I'm going to walk us through this, and I'm not going to cover everything, okay? I will just tell you this. As we step through all these things, hopefully, like, there's some good answers and some, some verses that I'm going to go to. You're going to go, dude, that's fantastic. I've never thought about it like that before. But frankly, you might walk out of here going, Jonathan said something, I'm not sure I, I fully got that. Please feel free to reach out to me, or I'll point you to the direction of resources to kind of dig in more on this, because here's, here's where my confidence is, and this is just my own personal confidence. I have no doubt that this is accurate, that this is infallible, it's inerrant, it's inspired, it's authentic, it's really as close as we can get to what was written originally, and I'll talk through some of that and that it's necessary for our life, and that it's sufficient for our life. That's what we're going to be stepping through. And not only that, but that this is everything that you, and I think I can say this in a, in a Western church, right, like, like people who grew up in the West, everything you know about God came from this. It did. You didn't come up with this on your own. You didn't, you didn't just think one day, oh, God must have created us. He must have sent somebody to die for us. My, sin is a problem in my life. These things didn't just come to you. They, they came because of this. It's God and the Bible. Our God is the God of the Bible. When I come up here on Sundays, or, or Brian or Gene comes up here on Sundays, we are preaching what the Bible says. We don't just, bre- uh, we don't just preach topical things that we want to chit-chat about for a bit or pontificate about cultural issues or society. I mean, I could do all that stuff, but that's not worth our time. Why? Because you don't want my meanderings. In fact, my meanderings are worthless. What matters is the inspired word of God. All right, so we're going to step through this. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about that it's authentic, okay, like the authentic word of God. That's actually going to be next week. We're going to talk about like where the, how do we know manuscripts, like, what, like legit, like typography and, and what pieces of papyrus we have and, and that this is authentically scripture. The, the manipulations that they say happened didn't happen. And I think I can, I think I can explain it. I think I can. Um, so we're going to talk about it being authentic. We're going to talk about being authoritative. That it, it, it is the authority in our lives. I am not the authority in your life. Your parents are not the authority in your life, teens. And they are one. I'm not saying they're not. They're not the authority. God is the authority. And, and we'll get to this, but there's a reason why I'm starting with inspiration, because if these are God's words, then this becomes the authority. It's inerrant no errors in this. I'm not talking about Crossway Publishers and Zondervan, and like they can, right? They might have messed up their typesetting, or they might have done something. I'm not talking about that, okay? Because that happens, I'm sure. I'm sure you can go to a bookstore and find like a, a messed up version of the Bible, right? Missed a page. Oh, God apparently didn't want us to preach that page. No, <laughs> right? Like the publisher messed up, right? So, so we got to be careful when we say inerrant. We'll walk through that, that it's necessary and sufficient. Those are going to be the last two Sundays, those two alone, you guys. It's necessary. This is why we say go read your Bible. It's necessary. You cannot have a relationship with God 
and not read the mail he sends you. You can't. No more than you could have a relationship with your parents or your husband or your wife and never talk to them. Or never read the letter that they leave you in the morning, right? Like, could you imagine? <laughs> right? Like, let, let, let's, just, let's just walk through this. Let's say you're getting up early in the morning and your wife or your husband left a, a note for you, like, on the front door. And you walk out the door and you just, and you see it, but you don't even open it. You leave. When you come back that evening, how's that? Did you see the letter? Yeah, I just didn't have time to read it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and that's sufficient. The sufficiency of Scripture, this is really important, you guys. There's a bunch of books up there about the Bible. You can read a lot of devotions about the Bible. And those are good. I'm not discouraging those. But they are not the Bible. Okay? There's a lot of great authors up there. Sometimes they say things that are their opinions. I mean, most of the time, they're, they're, they're opinions. It's how they understood and applied this into their lives. How do you understand this and apply this into your life? So don't forget, this is sufficient. And this morning, what we're going to be talking about is that it's inspired. I've already talked about that. That, that these are the very words of God, that, that God crafted them specifically and gave them to the writers of the Bible. Okay, I'm just going to say something right off the get-go, and, and there's a bunch like, I, honestly, this would be a very difficult uh, series because I got to make sure I'm not um, encroaching on the next, um, the next Sunday, right? So like, there's a lot of places where I'm going to kind of go down a path, and then I got to just kind of stop because then we're going to get into inerrancy or we're going to get into, you know, authority and stuff like that. So just realize that there may be times when you're like, oh, it felt like you just kind of stopped on that. That's why, because I'm probably going to finish it up uh, later, hopefully. Um, all right. God desires to reveal himself. That, that's, a, that's a faith statement, okay? And this is the tough part. There's a little bit of circular reasoning in this. The God you know came from the Bible, and you believe the Bible because of the God you know, <laughs> It's a you can't get out of it. There, there is no way for us, I mean, we can do some philosophical discussion, and I will a little bit, but we, we can't get out of that loop, right? Like, what you know about God came from the Bible, and because I make a statement like God desires to reveal himself, that's because of his character, and therefore, we say that the Bible is from God. <laughs> you see the problem? It's faith. This is, this is the first and, and arguably one of the big faith statements in our lives. And maybe you've already reconciled, like, yeah, I never really thought about that. But this is fundamental. And Warner just talked about it, right? That God desires to reveal himself to us. That means he's a personal God. That means he didn't just create us and leave us and go, good luck trying to find me. I'm out. He intends to reveal himself. And there's two different ways he reveals himself. General revelation. He reveals himself generally to all mankind. You can turn over, and we're going to be bouncing all around in your Bible, okay? And this is going to be the same for the next six weeks. So if you have one physically, great. If you have it on your phone, pull it up. Uh, the verses will be on the screen just like normal. But Romans chapter 1, verse 19. 
For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. What Paul is describing here is those who have rejected God. Humanity that has rejected God. And he, he's basically making the statement that they are without an excuse. Why? Because look around. That's what he says. Like, look around. Look at creation. As science goes further and further and we get into I actually just read this. I wasn't planning on saying this. I just read this story. It's super cool. There's like this baby insect. I have no idea how I found this. But there's this baby insect. It's the first time scientists have ever found gears in nature. Like legit gears. It's, and it has this like microscopic image of it. And it is no, it's, it's uh, legs are sequenced together in gears. And then as they grow older, they, it, it goes away. But when they're babies, they no kidding have these gears. And so you look at that and you're like, how long did it take mankind to figure out, hey, I could do this gear thing. And yet here's God who created it in some random little insect <laughs> thousands of years ago, Right? super cool. And we look, at, we look at rainbows, and we look at the sky, and we look at physics. I mean, it's just, it's amazing as we start to peel back and see who God is. And so what Paul is saying is, how can you not believe that there's a God? They're without excuse. And I, I'm not going to leave that, but I believe that that is where the justice of God appears for all mankind, whether they have heard of Christ or not. There is an element, somehow, some way, where these people have an opportunity to at least reflect on, I don't do what I should do, right? And, and there's this thing, I can't call it sin because I don't know what that word is, right? But, but I don't feel like I'm living up to what I want to live up to, and there's a God that created me, and I don't know, I'm lost, but I need God. I'll, I'll leave that there. I, personally, I think I think there's some justice and grace that, that exists, and that at some point, they're going to get an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ and the gospel. So I, I believe. It's not in the Bible. It's just what I believe from that verse. But that's general revelation. Well, how in the world do we know the characteristics of God or his plan or his purpose or his desire for our lives out of general revelation? We can't. We'll never figure it out from there. And that's why he does special revelation. Special revelation is where God, in specific circumstances and with specific people, has revealed himself personally and intimately. He's interacted with humanity in a way that makes it very clear that he desires to reveal himself to us. So this is, this is a little bit of that loop. A personal God who loves us would want to reveal himself to us. I don't know if that holds enough water for you guys. It does for me, and I can, we, can, we can spend a lot of time on that. But I think that's a fundamental basis of this, that, that God wants to reveal himself to us. And so therefore, he's going to reveal himself to us. And so the question then becomes, 
how? How does he actually reveal himself? How has he revealed himself to us? The Bible contains God's revelation. This is, this is where we say, this is where God reveals himself to us. He revealed himself historically, right? We read that, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. We read that, that God uh, called Abraham to the promised land, and Abraham believed him in faith. We read these stories of God interacting with with Adam and Eve, God interacting with Abraham, God interacting with Moses, he calls him from the burning bush and rescues the Israelites out of Egypt. God is revealing himself. In fact, to Moses, he tells him what his name is. There's some personal stuff, right? The Bible includes God revealing himself to humanity. He told generation after generation his plan for a Messiah. We read that from the very beginning, right? And we talked about that fairly recently, that, that when the, Adam and Eve fell, God immediately is talking to them about what the consequences of this were and what his plan to redeem them through the seed that would crush the serpent's head. And so here's God going like, interacting, showing his characteristics, showing his love, showing his grace, showing his mercy, showing his plan, revealing it to us all throughout Scripture. The Bible is God's revelation. If you would turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Listen to what it says here. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You see, God established the foundations of our faith through the prophets, through the apostles, those who wrote the New Testament, right? And he goes, he goes this is my revelation. I'm teaching. This is the foundation upon which you will become members of the household of God. That's what he says. There's a foundation that we're walking on. And it's the Bible. And here's, here's the beautiful part, right? Is really when we think about it, we look at general revelation and we see that, that God reveals a little bit of his nature. What does it say? His, his uh, that, uh, divine attributes, his invisible nature, right? Like there's some things that we see about God in general revelation that we read in Romans. But then in these, all these specific stories in the Bible, God is revealing himself, bit by bit, little by little. And he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he's sitting here with each one of these stories. None of them are complete revelations, right? Each one has a little bit of a dynamic. I mean, I, we could stand up here, I could preach a whole sermon on David and Goliath. And one of them would say, uh, be like David. One of them would say, you're like Goliath. One of them would say, it doesn't, it neither matters. God's in control. So what's the point of the David and Goliath story? God revealing his character. God revealing who he is. God setting the stage for his purpose and plan to bring David to the king. So, so then we can have the kingship of David and, and a Messiah that comes from David. 
right? Like, I mean, it's, it's so complex, but it's so beautiful. And we read this because it's in the Bible, and we see that God is revealing himself over and over again. And so if God wanted us to know these stories, have you ever thought about this? If God wanted us to know the story of David, how, how in the world would he tell a 21st century person the story of David? Apparently, he chose to write it down. If God wanted us to know about Jesus, what was his plan? How would he do it? Was, was God's plan to go and reveal himself specifically and completely to each one of us? It seems that God's plan, for whatever purpose and reason and rationale, was to record this. To give it to us, to pass it down. First it was verbal for a while, right? And then it was captured and written down. Okay, ready for this next logical leap? If God is all-powerful, if God wants us to know who he is, do you think he can make sure that we know who he is? Is he capable of ensuring that we know who he is accurately? Let me say that one again. If God is all-powerful, and if God wants us to know who he is, do you think that God can guarantee that you, sitting in your chair right now, have the ability to know who he is? I think so. And that's what this is. This is why we get to the, the conclusion that the Bible is inspired. It's based on who God is. We just went back to their circular argument, though, didn't we? <laughs> but you get that? That's the foundation of this. And in fact, as we go through all these other attributes of the Bible, you're going to see that the inspiration of the Bible is the foundational truth of the Bible. Because everything changes when you look at this and you go, this wasn't Paul just writing. This is an inspired word of God. God breathed out these words to Paul. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second. Okay? It changes everything. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look real quick. The Bible claims to be inspired. That, that's a fact, and we're going to step through that. So as we step through this, I want you to think to yourself, just because the Bible claims to be inspired doesn't mean it's inspired. I could stand up here and I could say, these are the words of God, and make them up. Could I not? I mean, if I don't, if I don't reference a chapter and verse... And I say, God saying this, and I say it, first, question me, okay? Maybe kick me off the stage, just depending, okay? But when, when, when we read through the Bible, and the Bible claims to be inspired, you don't have to accept that it says that. But you do have to accept that it claims that. You got that? Does that make sense? You... You will, when I get through these verses, agree with me, logically, that the Bible claims itself to be inspired. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe that it is inspired, but it definitely claims to be inspired. You guys with me on that? Okay? So that's the next step. All right, so here we go. I just pulled up my sleeve. Here we go. All right. Go over to Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. And again, I would encourage you guys to write these things down because... This is, these, are, these are good things for us to walk through. 
And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. He tells him how he's coming to him. There's a reason why God chose a thick cloud on the top of Mount Sinai. That the people may hear when I speak with you. The thunder. They, they need to know that I, God, am speaking to you, Moses, and that they may also believe you forever. What Moses says, they know is coming from God. That's what God cares about. That's what he just said, right? God goes, I'm going to come this way so that everybody will know that when I'm speaking to you, Moses, they know it's me. And then from now on, when you say God said this, they're going to go, I believe that God said this. This was the precursor, right? He's going to come down with the Ten Commandments, I think in the next chapter, right? He's going to come down with the Ten Commandments, and he's going to say, God did this. They need to believe him. How'd they believe him? Because God came in a cloud of smoke, right? Make sense? All right, go over to 2 Kings chapter 17. Verse 13. <clears throat> Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. God gave words to his prophets so that we would know his commandments and statutes. It's very clear that God is saying this, right? This is why we say the Bible clearly says that I'm writing down the words from God, that these words are from God. Next one's kind of cool. It's Habakkuk. Good luck with finding that one. It's... Uh, <laughs> I actually, mid-worship, I was like, I need to go find that one. Um, anyway, it's in the Minor Prophets if you're looking for it. If you're on a phone, yeah, it's easy. Chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. <laughs> what is he talking about here? How cool. He tells Habakkuk, like, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a vision, and what does he want Habakkuk to do? Write it down, plainly, on tablets. Why? So people can read it. And what will they be able to do when they read the inspired words of God? They'll be able to run, right? They'll, they'll, they'll be able to live freely and fully. How beautiful is that, that that is how God tells these people, like, these are my words. Clearly, God is intent in in. Clearly, the Bible is saying that it is inspired, that it is a catalog of God's words to humanity. Would you agree with that so far? Okay, check this out. Now go over to Matthew chapter 4, verse 7. What, this is, um, this is uh, Jesus being tempted in the desert. Listen to this. And so it, it's, if you read this, it's pretty cool because Satan acknowledges that the Old Testament is the word of God. <laughs> and actually, so does Jesus recognizes that 
the Old Testament is the word of God. And look at what he says. Jesus said to him, again, it is written. So Jesus knew scripture. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. He says, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And what Satan went, it was like, hey, let me, I'm going I'm to give this verse, I'm going to give this place where it's written that God's going to do this for you, Jesus. He takes it out of context. He takes, Satan takes the Bible out of context and goes, hey, here, apply it this way. And Jesus goes, no. No, that's not how you apply that. Context matters, right? And so this is what Jesus does. Jesus references as authoritative Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Daniel, Hosea, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, Micah, and Psalms. He quotes them or references them in a way that claims that they're authoritative. He, he talks about Adam and Eve in the garden. He talks about the flood as these things as historical events that actually happen. So this is important because Jesus isn't just a moral teacher. Because if, he, if Jesus is just a moral teacher, then you go, great, let's just stick with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be good. But that same Jesus, what you know about Jesus, said no, not only Matthew chapter 5, he had Matthew chapter 4. The same Jesus quotes all of these pieces of the Old Testament. He clearly believed in the same Old Testament that the Jews believed in while he lived here on earth. And so this is a package deal. <laughs> you can't take Jesus and go, well, I'm not going to take everything that Jesus thought was true, but I'm going to take him as my Lord and Savior. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The author of Hebrews clearly says that everything that's come down has been inspired by God because God spoke them. They are the very words of God. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Was this Paul's wisdom? Was this Paul's pontification about what he thought people should say and do and how the church should be? No. It was given to him. It was inspired. Paul was inspired. He was an apostle of Christ. Okay, 2 Timothy. This is the last one as I run through all these. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You guys have probably heard this one before. Chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We're probably going to hit that verse every Sunday <laughs> because it's super applicable. It tells, it tells us that the word of God is sufficient, 
that it's necessary. It tells us that the word of God was breathed out. The King James Version for breathed out there says inspired. That's, where we, that's why we use the word inspired. It actually, it's, it's theonoustos is the Greek word. Theo, God, noustos, like breath. Paul made it up. It doesn't, the word doesn't exist anywhere else, which is pretty cool. And so it's like this, it's, it's God's breath. All scripture is God's breath. Next week, we're going to talk about, well, how do we know that this is all scripture, right? So that's a, that's a little hanging one, but we'll, we'll come back to that. But it's beautiful. And so it is very clear that the Bible sees itself as inspired. Would you agree? With all those verses, clearly it believes itself to be a record of God's words to humanity, his special revelation to humanity. Now, whether this got all of it, remember we talked about 1 Corinthians, there's a letter that Paul wrote that we don't have. Well, why don't we have it? I would argue because it wasn't inspired. Not everything Paul wrote was inspired. He wrote a grocery list. He wrote letters to friends, I'm sure. He, he wrote other things. Not everything was inspired, but these were inspired. Why? Because we have an all-powerful God who desires to reveal himself to us, and he would intend to do it and preserve it and make sure that we got it in the 21st century. The fact that we have this and that it has survived is probably confidence enough So how did God inspire? I have not a clue. <laughs> how did God actually inspire the writers? I mean, I have some clues, but scholars debate on this. Here's what we know. The personalities of Paul and Peter and Moses, they come through in the text, right? We just finished reading 1 Corinthians. Lots of sarcasm, right? Lots of, lots of pretty harsh criticisms from Paul. His nuances, in fact, scholars can even read a letter and go, that sounds like Paul. Like linguistic scholars, like not, not, not us. I don't know, maybe somebody in here is a linguistic scholar, I don't know. But, but like they can actually tell, because why? Because the personality of the individual writing is still there. They aren't in this like trance-like state, just like, you know, dictation, and they're just writing something. It's not that. There's, there's something that's a little bit different. In fact, if you go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It's a good verse, but I don't think it was the one I was looking for. Oh, silliness. 3-6? Nope. I don't know. I'll text it out there. <laughs> um, all right, go, go back. Good thing I have more than one verse here for this one. Go, to sec go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That carried along word is, is the, uh, the, the, it's like a picture word, and it describes a boat and like throwing up a sail. 
Like, you're the boat, or not you, but, right? Like, Peter was the boat, and he throws up the sail, and the Holy Spirit carried them along in their words. That's, that's the clearest way that we have some sort of description of how God inspired the writers of Scripture. The Holy Spirit carried them along. That's, that's as best as we can get. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, frankly. Um, I really want to find this other verse. So maybe somebody can help me in here. A little Bible trivia here. There, there's a verse. I, I know what the substance of it was. And it's where Peter. No. Yeah, see, it's Peter. It's in Peter. It's not in Colossians. Anyway, Peter speaks about Paul's writings. And he says that these people are distorting his writings just as they have done the other scriptures. He calls Paul's writings other scriptures. Like, or he compares them to other scriptures. And in fact, it even says that they distort them to their destruction. So what, he's, what Peter is saying, in the, in the same context, right? We're not talking like 100 years later, 1,000 years later, or anything like that. In the same context, Peter is saying that those letters that the churches are reading from Paul, those are no kidding. Like, if you distort those, it's to your own destruction. 2 Peter 3.16. Thank you, Colossians. Nice work. Thank you, Google. I don't know. I don't want to take that away from you. Good job. Thank you. 2 Peter 3.16. There you go. Actually, start in 15. And count the patience. So that means my verses on the slide are probably totally wrong. Anyway, all right. Um, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. That's huge, you guys. This, this is where we go, Paul's letters were, were significant. They saw them present day while Paul was still alive as scripture. And in fact, and I didn't write this verse down either. I don't know why. Um, Paul even tells the Colossians, which is probably where I got that. He tells the Colossians that they should read the letter. When they're done reading the, his letter to them, they need to read the letter from the church to Laodicea. And Laodicea should read the letter from the Colossians. Like, Paul saw this not just as like a letter, but like, imagine if I wrote you a letter. I'm like, hey, read this, and then pass it around to your friends. Right? That'd be kind of weird. But if I was inspired by God, that would make a lot more sense. If I knew that these were significant words that everybody needed to know, okay? All right, so last point. Why does inspiration matter? Thanks again for the help. Why does this matter? Because it, it communicates that God loves us. The same reason when you get a letter in the mail, it communicates that the person that sent that to you cares about you. Same reason that when you get a text from somebody that you haven't heard from in a while, you're like, oh, sweet, I'm excited. Because it means that you're thinking about you. This matters because this is, this is the basis of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is that God is coming to us to reveal himself to us. That's huge. That changes Everything. We just, we just saying that, right? It changes everything. God didn't just create us and leave us and go, good luck finding me. 
He came to us. He revealed himself to us over and over and over again. He captured it in Scripture. He preserved it for us. He goes, here, here's my words. Now live. Let me pray.